This is Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care, where we have insightful conversations about parenting for bio, foster, adoptive, or blended families to better understand the experiences we all face as families. The journey of recovery from addiction is an all too familiar reality for many people, including the many moms and dads whose children are placed in foster care. Hello everyone, I'm Deborah Lindner, and today we'll delve into the real human side of these real people and learn more about the recovery process, which I know for me is still a little mysterious. Along with that, we'll focus on an innovative program that meshes an art form that is near and dear to the heart of my co-host, Liz Rivera. Hello, Liz. Hi, Deborah. Liz is Director of Education at Utah Foster Care, and I might also say a wonderful amateur baker, especially her German chocolate cake. Amateur being the operative word here, but I do love baking. And she's the one that really kind of turned us on to have the subject of Flourish Bakery. So tell us a little bit about it. So I found Flourish, so I follow on Instagram because baking is one of my hobbies and and passions, is I follow a lot of bakers and bakeries, especially local ones. And somehow I came across Flourish Bakery and realized really quickly that this is not just another bakery. That once they started posting, first I started posting delicious looking treats, which always gets me. And then as I started, you know, delving a little bit more, reading more of the posts and the, and the details, I realized that uh, Flourish is actually, as you mentioned, an innovative program that works specifically with people who've had substance use disorder and even incarceration to, to build community around them and, and give them a really important skill, which baking is. So we reached out to them and asked them if they'd love to tell us more about their program. Our guest today is Aaron Barney. He is one of the interns in the Flourish Bakery program. Aaron, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Tell us just a bit about how you became involved with Flourish and what the program has really done for you. I was in a substance abuse program out of the Conquest Prison Program, drug program. After you complete that, you have the option to go into a DATC culinary arts program. My instructor, Mike Seracio, introduced me to Flourish before I got out of there. I told him I was going to go back into auto mechanics and use cooking as a stuff at home. He says, You're, you've taken off with baking. I'd like you to check into these people at Flourish. I think you have a talent for what you're doing here. And then I says, I don't know, I don't know. And he says, just do me a favor. Give me your word that you'll at least go check them out and see what they're about. So he showed me some stuff on his computer in his office about Flourish. I watched some of their inspirational stories of uh, one of the guys that graduated here. And it was, it was truly inspirational to me because I wanted to stay out of trouble. I wanted to do some better things with myself. And I knew I couldn't do that going right back into what I know and where I've been and the people I was doing it with. So I had to change all that stuff in order to stay out of that lifestyle. And changing my job is one of them, you know. So I came into Flourish and spoke with one of my, one of my staff and sat down and he talked to me a little bit about where I came from and what things that are going on in my life. And, and then he said, okay, I'd like you to go home and think about it and come back next Wednesday, have lunch with the rest of the crew and 
tell us if you if you're still interested and if you uh, want to stay here. And so I came in the next Wednesday, sat down and ate lunch with everybody, met everybody, and it, I, I was just so excited when I met with everybody that I'm I'm still here today. I I mean I've been working the program, working my steps to stay on that pathway. Before we started recording, you were sharing a little bit with about your backstory. So um, you've told us a little bit about how you got involved with Flourish, but could you start maybe a little bit further back and tell us how you kind of ended up on this road of, of substance use, even incarceration, that, that got you to where you are today? Yeah, sure. So what, what happened was I was about seven years old when I first started getting into like trouble with the law, doing things that got, got me into trouble. And I think it stemmed from just a sense of boredom out of being on medications and stuff that caused me to zone out and get bored easily with things. So I started getting in trouble and hanging out with the wrong kind of kids. Usually a lot of kids that were older than me was introduced to marijuana and drinking at a very young age, uh, usually from older kids and they used to like to watch that. Then I went to like, when getting into trouble, I'd get go in and out of group homes because I'd get pulled out of the home detention center. I've, I've been in Decker Lake. I'm sure you've heard of our tech group homes. I've been in most all of those. It's just been a level path to trouble for me because I've, I don't know if I really looked for help, but it didn't seem like there was a lot of help for that stuff out there. It was mostly just go into a group home, go into a, a, a lockup detention center. There wasn't really a lot of hope, I felt, or access to things that would help me in the right direction, if that makes sense. When you look back, and especially now that you have interventions that, that are helping, that are working, what, what would have helped you maybe when you were younger? I mean, it's always easy to look back and think, oh, if only this had happened, you know, but now that you do know what helps, what helps were missing for you? Community is the biggest thing. Community being accepted by your community, the love, the respect between your community, the understanding within that community has been, would, would have probably been a helper throughout my life. It probably would have stopped me from getting this far. Just the love and support of everybody. And I know a lot of people don't have that. So once you're introduced to it and you can take a hold of it, I think that it can take you a long ways. It can really, you can really go far with that. And a lot of our audience is foster parents. And they are part of the community that helps support these parents whose children are in foster care. Even though that was not your case, what would you say to these foster parents about how they can really support that parent who is going through recovery? Well, I'll tell you, it's not a hopeless case. It takes a lot of hard work. Of course, you have to have a, a, ground, a ground place like I'm going to say substance abuse program. I've been through a few of them, but the last one is what helped me. Now, getting out of incarceration and having a bridgeway was, I think, the most paramount thing. So we have a workplace that's not only a workplace, it's a recovery place as well. So the recovery environment and the work environment are intertwined with each other, which I'm trying to look for the right words to say it. It, it makes a, a stable place to improve upon yourself and feel good about yourself and the things that you're doing. 
because you get you have to feel good about yourself in order to be able to make a recovery. So instead of the old uh, shame-based way of doing things, we're more of a remorseful way of doing things, you know, to feel remorse for the things that you're doing to yourself and other people. So that's allowed me to come a long ways in the way I look at things. My attitude has been different, but you have to have a recovery-based thing. And I think Flourish has been one of the, it's been the biggest part of my life to be able to make those right decisions for me and to make that, to keep that recovery moving forward. It sounds like you also have a place and a workplace that accepts you as you are. Yes. It's not a place you have to hide. Yes. So um, I'll give you a little insight on on that. When I come, you know, coming out of prison, you usually got a harder attitude, a harder way of looking at things. So when I come in here, it's hard. It was hard for me to take direction from staff. So instead of throwing me out and kicking me to the side, this place was so great about it. They would pull me aside and talk to me and say, hey, this is okay the way you're feeling, but we could do this a little different. And, and I had to look back on it. I was able, they, they told me, take a few steps back and look at what you're doing, look at how you're thinking about it, because they're just here to help me. And my whole attitude has been different now. Now I can take direction without getting an attitude with people and be good with it, stick good with it to where it doesn't make me feel personal, take it personal, you know? So it's been a really good environment. I mean, you have to have this type of environment, I think, to get the, to get the benefits of the recovery. What else do they, what other programs do they do within Flourish that help support your recovery? Because you talked about it both being a workplace and recovery. Absolutely. So we, we have our community inside Flourish, community outside Flourish doing AAs. They've got a USANA program that they like to do. We've got uh, uh, working out. We go down with a personal trainer that we are encouraged to do every, every week. We do writing circles where people come in and we write about our feelings and our, our stuff that goes on in our life. We, we usually will pick a topic, but you can write anything you like that's been important to you that's been happening, and we read them to each other. We don't give feedback on that stuff, so that's something that they can just write about and share and not, be, not have the criticism behind it. So you, you, we, we have to be able to be able to share with each other without the worry of criticism in order to grow. So we do, what do you call them? Reflections every day here at work to where we also talk about our, our, our issues and stuff to help us deal with personal problems that we may have. So getting that stuff out and being able to talk and have a safe place to talk about anything and everything on your mind is, is a really important aspect as well. But that health, that health thing is been a good thing for me as well because you can't have a healthy mind without a healthy body so true so true and you are who you hang out with (laughs) yeah and who who are you hanging out with and how many people are in the program at one at one time we still got six so it's fairly small yeah and we're getting ready to lose two more up to an externship that where they're going out to branching out after the because it's only an internship that lasts 12 months and then they do an externship to go find employment after that. Hopefully within the thing, but it doesn't have to be in baking. And it often does lead, lead to 
future employment, right? Oh, you, you, you bet it does. And, you know, outside of a place like this, you aren't always going to have the type of attitudes and adjustments in the workplace that you do here. So being able to have that interaction with other people that are that have been in your shoes that know where you're coming from it really helps a lot on adjusting that attitude because my attitude is a lot different than what i used to have you've got a great attitude you really do thank you i, I thought i sounded nervous don't you know you sound alive that's good that's good couple of things. One, um, you know, uh, when I was talking with Sarah, she said that one of your, one of the former internships is now one of the artisan bakers at Harmon's, which I know is a, a big deal as someone who enjoys Harmon's bakery quite a bit. So that's, that's wonderful. Is there a waiting list to get into the internships? As far as I know, they, they're accepting, but I, I think they can have, I don't know how many people they can have on the internship. I know that when people come in, they get to sit in front of everybody because I, I think that we accept them. We have to accept them into the program as a whole, as a team. You know what I'm saying? To see that they're serious about coming in here because you can't, you can't half step coming into this program. You got to want it. You got to desire it. That doesn't mean that you won't have issues. You know what I mean? Everybody has issues and we can help them deal with those and with each other. It just makes, I don't know, I, I, I'm pretty sure that they always accept interns, as far as I know. It's wonderful that that capacity is there. It's scary for a lot of people because that change, that you have to change your lifestyle and the people that you're hanging around with is, is a scary change. It's something different. I don't talk to none of my old, any of my old friends anymore, and that's been a, a big part of my success, I think but also a loss and you have to replace that lost, those lost relationships, even if they weren't ideal with, with other relationships that are hopefully better. I've definitely upgraded. That's good, that's good, yeah. And I'm sure you'd love to love to see some of your old friends join you in, in that upgrade. It's it's probably hard to see people still struggle. Yeah, only if they're serious. Yeah, yeah, when they're, when they're serious. Well, and one reason why we're talking about this, and Liz can talk about this some more, is that substance use disorder is the primary, one of the primary factors why children are placed in foster care because of their parents. So Liz, talk about that and, and how that relates to the whole foster parenting community. Yeah, and we've, and we've said this for years, that if, if there were no substance use disorders, there would be almost no foster care. It accounts for, you know, 75, 80% of, of cases. Most kids who come into care are coming into care because of neglect, and most of that neglect is driven by, by substance use by their parents. And we know that for the parents who are using, just like for you, there's a lot of, a lot of suffering behind, behind that using and a lot of lack of, like you talked about, community. And so we, our, one of our, our big goals at Utah Foster Care is to really uh, have foster parents who see the hope like that you're demonstrating today and provide some of that community to, to the parents whose kids are in care. You were talking about giving up your old friends. I, it made me think of a story. We have a family that they had two children placed with them and the mom and the dad were really serious about getting these kids back. And they knew that to do that, they had to cut off all the relationships, including family, because they used with their family. And so they cut off everybody. And this foster, these two foster parents, this mom and dad, they took them out to dinner and they said to them, um, we'll be your family now. 
And those that those parents got their kids back. And I believe a large part of that was because this foster these foster parents stepped in and became community for those those parents and believed in them and uh, helped them continue with that positive change they'd made in their life. So I just echoing you've already said, Aaron, that is, is so vital. Oh, yeah, this is absolutely my family here. Outside of my mom and dad, this has been my other family. We can come in here, we can share our hearts out and not have to worry about anything that's not safe. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it's always a safe place to share. So can, do you mind real quick if I ask you about your mom and dad? Are, are they over the moon with where you are in your life now? Now, my mom is ecstatic. My dad was. He just died on Saturday. Oh, oh gosh. I'm so sorry. So I, I went through a little bit of a process. I'm going through a little bit of a process with that. Yeah. But now I'm without the drugs in my life, without those old people, I'm actually able to be there for her, you know, to, but to also be there for myself and, and maybe handle the grieving process a little bit more positively than I probably would have in the past. So I've got a lot of good people that are helping me with that. And, and my mom, you know, it, it feels so good just to be able to exercise the stuff that I can do to grieve properly without having to resort to drugs, you know, and to be there for people. And I think that I like to do, I'm, I'm kind of nervous still, but I like to do stuff like this to try to help other people because not only does it help other people, it helps me as well because I can talk about my stuff, you know. It's just, this has been a great experience. I'm going on like seven and a half months out now and I normally would have been using within 60 days. Wow, that is great. Yeah, and I've never had this outlook. I've never had this attitude. So what do you hope to do at the, this is a 12 month program. Yes. What do you hope to do at the end of the 12 months? I've been talking with one of our staff that used to work at Harmon's with uh, the guy you were talking about uh, that graduated the program. And she says that that's a pretty high volume store because I have, sometimes I'm, I'm a little slower probably than what a bakery will look for. But if I find a different store, I could probably, she's hooked me up with a couple different places that might be a little bit more on my level, you know, because I'm 50. <laughs> so I'm not quite as quick as some of these young, younger, younger guys, you know, and women. Yeah, I want to I continue it if I can find a place that's a fit for me. And I will. I'll find a place. Have you developed any specialty items that you bake? Any things you particularly love and are good at? I've really gotten good at some of their stuff they do here. Their focaccia loaf, I like can make the same every time. And that's hard to do. That's hard to do because you've got a lot of things that take into account like humidity in the air, the temperature, all that stuff and, and the mixing. You've got to do it in a, the perfect way every time. And that way you get the right rise out of it when you get when you do your proofing and then when you do your baking because there's a double rise on that and then you bake it. So and mixing the ingredients in just a perfect way it has I, I become really adept at that one. There's been a couple of things I've I've improved on the biscuits that we make. I just made them to where they're a little taller. <laughs> How did you do that? Just doing more folds in it. 
Okay, okay. Doing more folds in it, and, and when they liked what I did, and I didn't even realize I was doing it at the time. They put do three folds. Well, I did three book folds when I was reading the recipe on it, and it came out a little taller. So she seen that, and she would go, how'd you do that? Because we follow a certain way of doing things here, so we get the same product every time. And it teaches us that we should be doing things a certain way, so that way we learn how to follow the instruction. You know what I mean? So it creates attitude as well as, as a good product. <laughs> so it, does, it isn't just about the baking. Yeah, but speaking of, about the baking, if you're listening out there and your mouth is watering, you can actually go to Flourish Bakery. They're located in Midvale and they're open Wednesday through Friday. And you can purchase some of their yummy treats or even make a donation to this program that supports wonderful people like Aaron. And I believe you can even mail mail order if I remember right. I remember around the holidays, yeah, that they said you could last day to order and to get stuff in the mail. So if you, I, we have listeners all over the state. So if you live in Vernal, you can get on Flourish's uh, website and order treats directly from Aaron. And their website is flourishslc.org. If you're if you're interested in that, we are uh, getting ready to wrap up the podcast. So, Aaron, any final thoughts you'd like to put out there to foster parents and the community? Absolutely. I've had a lot of of old friends uh, using, and they have lost their children to drug abuse. I'm here to tell you from a troubled life that there is hope out there. I came from a past that seemed hopeless and I was able to turn that around with the help of other people. And I never accepted the help before this small part of my life. And when I did, I seen the things that are on the other side. It can be done. I, I am on APMP. I'm in my lowest level of custody that I've ever been. And it, there's just hope out there. You just gotta, it's out there. You just gotta reach out and grab it, you know? You've got to make the cho- the right choices. You've got to do the work. But if you're willing to do that, the sky's the limit. I feel really, really good about my life now. I love my life. I love the people that surround me. So good to hear. And we'll encourage um, the families that listen to this to share this episode with perhaps the parents they're working with. So not only the parents of uh, the foster parents, but also the parents of children in care who may be struggling the way you struggled will, can hear that there is hope. Yes. And it's not always easy. I mean, it's not always easy. But having that support there, I mean, these, these guys, when my, when, when my dad died, these guys called me. They call me, make sure I'm doing all right. It, you have to have that. Or, I mean, the community is everything. And that is something that many people take for granted, that they're going to have a community that will help them through life's challenges. But often you don't have that when uh, you're into substance use. So. Yeah, because they're used to just being... Uh, when something happens, they get taken away from that. And that I, I think that for, on the kids' part, it feels like they're being locked up or they're being ostracized, you know what I mean? They're being blamed for something and they're not. And the parents, they have to get out of that addiction before they can get their kids back. But they've got to make that choice. They've got to get that help. Then 
there are communities like this. I wish there were more like Flourish. If there were more like Flourish, you'd see more successes. You're, you're right. And apparently Flourish is only the one of two long-term recovery workforce development reentry programs. That was amazing to me that we don't have more. We're the only one. You are right. It's called the <laughs> second chance. I apologize. You are the only one. It's called the second chance and it actually works to get you back into the workforce. That's amazing. Yeah. There isn't anything else. You're telling me and that's, you know, having this stuff, it is paramount and, and not just a workforce, a workforce that recover, that, that supports recovery, especially if you're coming out of addiction. We're not just working here, we're working on recovery and working at the same time. They are intertwined. You can see this stuff up behind me. We practice this stuff and then we got boards up here where we have to do different, meet different criteria in different modules of our work. This is great. And what we're looking at is like a chart on how you're feeling. Yes. And sometimes that's where it all begins because a lot of people can't really gauge how they're feeling or what feeling, what emotion they have at a certain time. So this is great. So Liz, any other final thoughts? Just thank you to Aaron and, and go flourish. Everybody go buy some biscuits. Well, thank you, Aaron. You've really helped us humanize people like yourself who may have had children in foster care who are on the road to recovery. And for all of the foster parents out there, your input so important to us. So we'd love to hear your comments and thoughts on this discussion today. Also, Liz mentioned you may consider fostering this either to another foster parent or the, the parents of your children in your home. We wanna thank Liz Rivera, my co-host and education director at Utah Foster Care. Thanks also to our producer, Marshall Shearer Davis, but most of all, Thank you, a very warm thank you to all the foster parents out there who are caring for these children and who are supporting their mothers and fathers in the recovery journey. Stick with them, believe in them, help them on their road to recovery. So long, everybody. This has been Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care. Thank you for joining us. For more information, go to utahfostercare.org. We'll see you next time 